The following episode was recorded before March 2024, and while the content shared is valuable and useful, it features Rob, who is no longer involved in the business. Well, look at your handsome face. <laughs> Lights, camera, action. We're we ready to actually, go. We can actually see our faces. You probably you might have noticed that for the first few episodes of the Rob and I episodes of the show, there was no video. And that's because we screwed it up. Well, yes. I screwed it up. I yes. wouldn't take full responsibility. I was terrible. It wasn't saved, of all things. You know, of, the, of all the, the things in the world. saving the thing that you record. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my co-host for the episode, the man who pronounced it Pids and Dodds because he couldn't pronounce the letter G when he was young. It's hypnotist Robert Temple. And my co-host is joining me once again, the man who thinks that Johnny Cash is overrated. It's the mind reader, the one, the only. It's Kennedy. Robin Kennedy can get inside your head. Feedback on the theme tune, by the way. So thank you to everybody for that. Well, it's stuck in your head, so you're very welcome. <laughs> yes. You're very welcome. Singing it over like Christmas dinner is what you'll be doing. It's going to be more irritating than like your favorite, your kids' favorite TV show. It's going to be tunes, worse right? than um, Baby Shark. <laughs> it's going to be. It's going to be one of those. <laughs> now this week we're chatting about something a little bit different. It's not actually as much about the emails. That do you want to you... say hello to everybody? Oh, hello. This is Rob and Kennedy. Hello from Response. Suite. You should probably do that. Bit. Very good. Very professional. Uh, yeah, this week we are chatting about something that's a little bit different because it's not so much about the emails that you send to your subscribers. Right. It's actually more about the emails that they send to you. So now, yeah, you have we're... a story about the first time you ever replied to somebody's like broadcast email, don't you? Yeah, I remember I got on a marketing legend. Um, Dan Kennedy's mailing list, right? And I remember, like, days later, maybe half an hour later or something, I got an email back from Dan that said, hello, Kennedy, or hey, Kennedy, or something, uh, blah, 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 blah. And it was a really good point. And I, and I hit reply, and we're like, hey, Dan, thank you so much for getting in. Well, it's lovely to hear from you. Oh, you naive little duck. I know, I didn't know mail merging and merge codes were a thing. Right, but yeah, so, so you, I, you actually I did replied. Reply. I did and reply, yes. this happens more than you would think, and it certainly happens in sort of B to C type niches. So if you're seeing something, you know, golf instructions or something, people where people who are, are not maybe wise. not quite as, yeah, they're not quite as marketing savvy. Now, don't get me wrong, the general populace is becoming more aware that when they put their name and email address into a thing to download a free white paper or something, they're more likely to now start getting emails. I mean, we do get, you know, we get it from our phone providers, we get it from right. the people who supply our internet, we, it has our names merged. But but we know that somebody hasn't there, hasn't gone there and manually emailed that out. So I think that the most of the general public are generally pretty wise to that. But if you're a small business, they might assume that you are being personal with them. So it's less to do with the world, I think, and more to do with their perception of you, perhaps. And, yeah, and if you're a mega guru, there are still some people who will reply as well. That They've read your email, and there's something yes. that resonated with them. For example, I recently sent out an email to one of my lists that referenced something to do with uh, politics and I can't remember was, who it was. That was dodgy ground. Yeah. I f oh, no, it wasn't politics. I tell a lie. It, it was, was religion, it wasn't was, it? <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a chap who goes around, and I can't remember his name now I'm going to say it, but he's very uh, David Icke. 
David Icke, former sports commentator, now world famous, selling out massive stadiums, talking about very controversial views. Hang on, we've suddenly started talking about sports on our podcast. <laughs> and I, uh, I gave an opinion on David Icke, which I okay. won't re- re- relay here. And that was the hook of my email. Okay. And somebody replied and said, oh, Rob, 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 you've made the big mistake. Don't talk about, and I can't remember what they are, but the, the big thing things you not talk about politics and religion something else, and religion something else. And something else. And, and he fell into the politics category and religion category. And so this guy said, I really like your emails. I've bought stuff from you before, but that was too far for me. I'm going to unsubscribe. Okay. So he replied to that email. And I think that if you are, if you do stuff that we talk about, which is like polarizing, people, it is going to encourage people to reply. And sometimes yes. you'll get, thanks for this. This is great. And sometimes you'll get, oh, I can't believe you've said that. I don't, I don't well, disagree. Well, let's just take a step back a second. Because I think even if people realize that you didn't personally email them, if whatever you've written to them in that email has really caught them up in that sort of frenzy of emotional response. Good or bad. Good or bad. They're going to hit reply just to let, just to voice their opinion because, you know, as I keep saying, everybody has an opinion about stuff. So they, even if they think you're never going to see it, they know that your assistant might see it or somebody in your staff, or that they want to let you know how they feel about it. So I get emails back like you do when we do here at Response Week. We get emails back saying, oh, I love this thing. And that's a really good point. Oh, I loved your email today. Right. Or I need to really work harder on that thing or whatever it's going to be. Look at the responses we get to this show. People saying, I love that episode where you talked about X or Y or Z. I know that sometimes people have replied to emails before, either to like vent or rant or say thank you, and sure. they don't they they don't expect to get a reply. No. Now the, I think the world has gone in a bit of a full circle recently. It's it's on its way back to complete the circle anyway. Which is when I got started in this sort of industry, which is about two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, something like that, in the online marketing world. Maybe a little bit sooner than that, two thousand six, two thousand seven, more likely. And actually, when I did that, I noticed that when I replied to the gurus, I was just getting started. Nobody knew who I was, not right. that they do now. But when I was getting started, I would email the people back to their broadcast emails. And I would get a personal reply. And that's how I've become friends with some people. So, for example, our pal John Thornhill happened to live locally to me, and that was why I replied, and he replied personally. And then we went through a circle where everybody, and I'm counting myself in this, actually switched out and they said, do you know what? Productivity became hyper- it was trendy, wasn't trendy, it? It was the yeah. thing that, you know, we, we were all reading the four-hour work week. We're all reading how to be more productive, all that sort of stuff. Suddenly, everybody realised, actually, do you know what? You can affordably have an assistant, and you yes. should. Yeah. And that was, the, that was the thing. And as a result, everybody became very distant from their emails. Sure. And so I remember getting reply, replying to some emails, and people had like a 200-word email that came back automatically saying, hey, thank you for your email. Because I get so many emails, I don't reply. I can't reply to them all. Um, if you are looking for customer support, make sure you go over here. If you're looking for this, make sure you go over here. If you're looking for this, and it sort of like gave you a little, it's almost like press one for the customer support. Do you email. think one of the reasons that people did that was because there was a phase in all in the world where small businesses wanted to behave like larger 100%. businesses? 100%. So there was the back in the day when even one man businesses, I did it, you did it. We saw lots of friends who were saying, talking about, we will get back to you and please, and one of our team, when actually it was just you and your cat. <laughs> and it was, it certainly was for me because it looked more impressive. So right. it was, hey, you should. It was, a, it was a positioning thing. It wasn't like being a dick thing. It was, it was really a positioning thing of I'm a guru and I want to position myself as a guru, and so I want to be a little bit further removed from how approachable I am because actually, what people are going to pay for 
is to be able to contact me personally and connect with me. Uh, you are absolutely correct. That's so the world's changed, right? I think we're coming back again. Well, you have to be because look at, I mean, let's just go a few years ago to when, when Twitter was the hottest property online, right? When Twitter was like the most important thing, that was pre-Instagram. What happened when Twitter launched is suddenly we could see moment-by-moment moment updates from huge influencers and celebrities. We could see what Oprah was doing, what she was having for breakfast, what she was thinking about, what was important to her right at that moment in a way like nothing ever before. Remember, in the world before Instagram and Twitter, we were in a world where but unless she was, on, unless a celebrity was on a show, on a talk show, we didn't know anything about their lives. Think about how much more personal and how much more invasive the world is right now compared to then. Right, and so because it's coming that full circle around, suddenly I've noticed that more and more—it's not—it's not complete yet—but more and more marketers are now shifting over to becoming much more accessible. I think yeah. what maybe what's happened is we've started to see a divide between. Uh, sort of guru marketers in every space seeing themselves as celebrities and now seeing themselves as people who have to be more approachable because you now can't you know you still can't you know get you know email oprah at oprah.com and it gets through to her personal sure. inbox i assume uh, don't try it but Just she does case. retweet people or she will repost people and right, stuff like that's that. their but, method of being accessible but i think for us where we have much smaller audiences like even if you're at the top of your game your audience doesn't even scratch the surface of somebody like oprah's audience i think we do as the sort of expert industry need to make ourselves more available to people because that just draws them in closer it just makes them feel like they like we live more. and we've talked about this a lot we live in a world of decrease of lower trust than ever before everything on the internet's a scam the people who used to be saying us and me and our and our team are actually just some 12 year old working from their bedroom of their parents apartment right we we don't trust that stuff anymore so the things we have to do now to become what, what we call here becoming 3d where people can see how real we are and that includes replying to emails retweeting people acknowledging people which we never i mean if you told anyone that we would be doing this 10 years ago even just 10 years ago you said absolutely not we want to be perceived as a big business so what are the approaches we can take when someone replies to your emails? The first thing is, where does that reply go to? There's a few options, right? Yeah, so at the moment, mine is actually still, as we're recording this, set up to go to my customer support desk. So I use a customer support platform. People send me an email and it forwards it into that customer support desk and it creates a ticket for them. Now, I don't have it. I've got it set turned off. So it doesn't email them and say, we've created you an account in the support desk because I think that's confusing for people. And it doesn't say, we've opened you a ticket either it literally just says great thanks for getting in touch we'll get back to you soon right now that does mean that sometimes you end up in a weird situation for example i can tell you in fact here at response week we've got uh, some customers who have their auto reply on their emails yes. so it says thank you for co contacting abc chimney sweeps limited or whatever we've got loads of chimney sweep customers <laughs> i had to make one up and you've so, been watching mary poppins over the weekend haven't you and so when we email out right now we will get a reply that comes into our support desk that says, thank you for contacting ABC Chimney Suites <laughs> Limited. We'll be in touch soon. And now our autoresponder, our autoreply thing inside the support desk is now in communication with their email So reply. we're now playing badminton 
Badminton. 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 What do you say? It's a badminton. 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 It's I want to just like... say the word shuttlecock. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like there's a really funny video on the internet of two people who've got a do- they've called Domino's Pizza and uh, Papa John's. Is that the name? Yeah, that's the one. And they've got both on speakerphone and they're both trying to sell each other a pizza. And <laughs> it's very funny. Anyway, we end up in this weird situation where, th- where this has occurred. And so the only thing we can do is to go in and just close the support ticket. Which, if you're not careful, sends them an email saying we've closed your support ticket, and now and it all begins all again. Yeah, yeah. So again, B to C, that's a bit less of a problem because they're generally not going to have those auto reply things right. set up. But it, it is a thing, and like so, when we send out an email to our list at the minute, I know in our support desk we suddenly get a raft of these emails. We have to yeah. go through and delete. So one option is have it go to your customer support desk and then deal with it there. It is at the minute. Uh, in my business it's my assistant who actually replies to those emails and it was in conversation with our pal Gavin Bell back in episode four I think it was something like of that. this podcast where he talked about the fact that actually that's almost a little bit offensive you know if I'm on your list I've bought your products maybe or I'm thinking about buying your products I've been on your webinar and now I, re- I email you and suddenly you're so busy so busy that your assistant replies and that that made me think oh maybe that maybe that is the wrong approach maybe I should be replying to those emails so that's one option is to have it go to a customer support desk. I mean, there's a, a little way around that, which I've just had a suggestion there. There's a thought there, actually, more than a suggestion, is if it is your assistant who has to reply just because your workload, you know, like imagine Gary V. I mean, can you imagine how many emails he's getting a day from people asking for help or insight or advice? And that could be, I'd say it's Grace here at Response Suite, right? She replies to a lot of emails, a lot of customer support for us. And some of those things are addressed to us. Now, most of the time, you or I will reply to them because we like to make the time and carve out that time to make sure that happens. But when that's not possible, if we're out of the office or whatever, and Grace slacks us or something, it's quite easy for our assistant, so it might be Grace, it might be your assistant, it might be whatever, to say, hey, I had a quick chat with your name. Right. And he or she said... Copy-paste. Exactly. Or whatever that... I mean, it doesn't even have to be that they actually had a chat with you. It could just be what the response would be. But to frame it as this is a this is a reply from the person. So it doesn't deteriorate that relationship quite so much. Right. That's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, it works really well. So the options are, so have it sort of, when they reply, it opens a ticket in your support desk and that could set up an auto response or not. We're sort of advising probably not, I would I, say. I think I'm going to steer away from that as an idea. Sure. The, sec- okay, the second option is that it does not open a support ticket and you just have maybe a separate filtered email account where that goes in and you check that on the regular. What else, what else is possible? There is, a thing, there is a thing I'd be interested. It's almost its own episode in its own right here, but I wonder whether there is an increased delivery thing if you change from support at or hello at or info at to Kennedy at or Rob at or Grace at, because, it, I mean, that must look like more of a in terms of broadcast in terms of us broadcasting out because bear in mind for most of the time you can in some uh, platforms set a different reply to email but most of the time the email you broadcast out from is going to be the email address that they reply to right yeah and i think i had the same thing with uh, our friend dave d um i remember you he used to email from dave at and when you replied that would go to his assistant where he had a slightly different variation on that email address and that would go direct to him so i think that's been common practice a while one real possibility then is just to have an email address that is something like your name at your website.com that you don't use for anything else it's not your day-to-day communications so it's like the difference between you having rob at versus rob.temple at or robert at right exactly 
I have one specific email address, which is a version of my name at, and I don't subscribe to software platforms with it or join people's lists with it. Like right. it's literally there for the purpose of sending out emails from that address and having people be able to reply to them. And if I go into that inbox, I know it's the only thing that's going to be there. That allows you to do a couple of things. One, it means you can set some dedicated time yeah. where you log in every day or whatever, and you go through that stuff. That's great. Mm -hmm. It means that you're not now having to balance that with your day-to-day -day checking of emails and administrative stuff, mm. which means that you can serve the audience better because you're just focused for that little bit of time each day on going through. And this does beg the question, of course, is now where do you draw the line between people replying to your emails and customer support? And what I think I've come to realize is, just while we've been recording this episode, I know that the customer support solution we use uh, which is Freshdesk at the minute, allows you to forward an email into it and it yes. will open a ticket. Right. So what I think would be quite good is that if somebody emails you, I think you have to set some mental parameters as to what you consider to be acceptable email conversation versus what you consider to be, actually, really, this is customer support. Like what you don't really want is you send out a broadcast email to your list and somebody replies to that email with a completely irrelevant thread like, oh, by the way, Rob, I bought your product the other day and I can't log in. Sure. So my line for that is whether the, whether they need knowledge or they just need information or they need access, I suppose. Right. So if it's knowledge that only I can give, like they need insight from the industry that I'm talking about, is it is it advice kind of stuff or is it, like you say, administrative stuff? Really interesting conversation. And what we'll talk about in a future episode is what you do to people and what you do in those conversations once those conversations open up. I think that's a that's going to be a future episode, I think. Absolutely. This has been good. This very, has been very cool. really interesting to think about what happens at that key critical moment. And by the way, hello and thank you to all of the brand new listeners to the show. In fact, one of our listeners was very kind enough to go and leave a brand new review this week. Five stars, in fact. Some praise indeed. Some praise praise indeed. Ah, yes. Thank you very much. Very much. Thank you. Thank Let's you. read out that lovely five-star <laughs> review that left over on iTunes. By the way, if you can do the same thing, that would be gorgeous of you. Rob, what did the, who is this? So this is from Adventures with Flowers. So hello to you. Hello. And Adventures with Flowers said, really enjoyed the first couple of episodes, especially enjoyed the singing along to the theme tune. You, <laughs> oh, that's going to make a return. Little crying with laughter emoji. The tips about split testing email sending times and those from Janet about email subject lines and jumping straight into the meat of the story. Looking forward to meeting you at an event that we're going to very, very soon. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much. Looking forward to that. By the way, if you do see us at an event, do come and say hello. We really want you to do that. Don't be shy. Okay, so now it's time to go over into uh, into our listeners' question of the week. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's see. Hi, it's Neil Whitfield from smallbusinessbigideas.co.uk. My question is all about inactive subscribers. What's the best way to re-engage them and get them uh, reading and, and interacting with your email content again? Look forward to your answer. Thanks. Bye. Great question from our pal Neil there. Now, of course, there is only one way that we can do this question justice and give it the answer that it deserves, and that is to ask... What would Julie Andrews do? You've got two minutes. So, I think the first bit is... Yeah, okay, well, I'll go first. All right, fair enough. I'll, I'll the way you pointed me there. Um, you meet no time. So, the first thing you need to do when 
when you're setting up an email campaign is to, I might be a bit too loud actually, I'm going to just take that down a little bit, hello, so uh, is to is to actually have a disengagement campaign that you put people into. A re-engagement campaign. Oh yeah, what am I talking about? A re-engagement there campaign, we there we go. It's for when people disengage, it could be a disengagement campaign I suppose, and the idea is that after a certain number of disengagement sort of points. If somebody doesn't open a number of emails or doesn't click on a number of links, then you put them straight into that re-engagement campaign. And the only point of that entire campaign, once they've been put into it, is to re-engagement. It's to re-engage them. And the whole thing with this is, the, when they get put into the re-engagement campaign, they should not be receiving anything else. They get taken out of all your broadcast messages, out of any other campaigns, and the only thing they should be doing is getting forced to re-engage. Right, and that would be driven by the subject lines that you use. And they can start off with just sort of simple things like, did you see this? And then get kind of more, not aggressive, but a more forceful as you go through to push them in the direction of getting a reply. Now, one of our favorite things to put into this re-engagement campaign, there's a few things, we'll do a whole episode on it at some point, is a survey, a simple survey to ask them what is it they're looking for right now, what's their big challenge, and how can you help them the best. And then use that feedback to tag and segment them inside your email platform so that you end up treating them differently once they have re-engaged. Because if you just treat them the way that you used to treat them, they're just going to disengage again like they did the first time. So make sure that you listen to the advice and the feedback that they give you. Listen to their goals, listen to the kind of language that they use, and make sure that when you send them those future emails, you actually send them the stuff they want on the timescale they want. If they said they want fewer emails, send them fewer emails. If they said they want different content, send them different content. And then that way you can hopefully keep them more engaged once they have re-engaged after disengaging. Oh, we did it in just two minutes. Somehow. <laughs> Somehow. I mean, it was kind of garbled. Thanks for bearing with us for that. By the way, if you want to submit your listener's question, you can make a recording on our actual webpage. Don't worry about any technology. You can hit a button on the webpage and record your question there, and we'll feature it on the show. Just go to blog.responsesuite.com slash show. Very, very simple. Now so, it's time to dive over into the subject line. Oh, subject line of the week. It is subject line of the week. Subject line of the week. Subject line of the week. <laughs> there we go. I have um, I have a very specific subject line that I uh, I used this week that I'd like to talk about, if that's okay. all right. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, the subject line was simply the words, a threatening message. What? A threatening message. That sounds pretty good. Okay, so uh, you sent this out to, what, pretty cold or...? So it's my audience, it's my personal development list, uh, people who are interested in improving their lives and becoming happier and more confident and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was sent out to that list to promote my membership site, which is what I mail every single day. Sure. And the threatening message was about the fact, the, the concept of the email was that earlier that day, we had found a little threatening message outside our house. Oh, which yes. interestingly sounds interesting, doesn't it? But yes. it wasn't aimed at me. It was aimed at somebody who lives down the street. And it was also aimed, it was written by and aimed at a 12-year-old. And it was from this 12-year-old boy had an ex-girlfriend, uh, oh. uh, exactly. And she'd written him a threatening message about the fact that he was now with a different girlfriend. Oh, very, wow. very it's like a very, young very, Romeo very, very Juliet. Cute. Very, them. very cute. Now, of course, it wasn't violent or aggressive or anything. No. Um, but it was an interesting hook. So when it happened, I thought, this is great. I can talk about the fact this has happened. Obviously, names and exact details were changed to protect the innocent. Uh, but basically that became it. And I think the reason it got such a high open rate, but not only that, it also still, it also got a high click through rate as well. Interestingly, okay. but it got such a high open rate because people don't know, is, is this a threatening message from Rob to me? Is this a threatening message that he received from somebody? Like it's interestingly, it's interesting. It's in, in it's instantly got an interesting sort of almost fear element to it. You've it? caught that off me, haven't you? That I have stumbling, this stumbling thing. thing. <laughs> 
So that was uh, that was my subject line of the week. I absolutely loved your subject line of the week. Subject line of the week. Lovely. That's another episode in the can, and we sort of made it professionally all the way through it. So if you haven't already, make sure you do hit the subscribe button on your favourite podcast player, and that'll mean you won't miss out on a single episode. We're back here next week as you well. Can of course check out the episodes on YouTube, so you can see a little big but big behind the scenes into exactly what goes on to make this podcast work. And if you have done that, then you'll know that unlike most podcasts, and in fact, like our other podcast, Three Martyrs Walk Into a Podcast, we don't like record it in little bits. Like that's how no, most podcasts one... do. This is one through take, almost as if we were doing it live. Maybe we will do it live one day. I for, think we probably will. Good. And so, uh, yeah, that's uh, you'll have to apologise when we just balls up occasionally. <laughs> but we're going to leave it in because we as well real. <laughs> and we're very accessible. That's what we are. We're that's very accessible. Very... All right. Lovely. We'll see you next week. Oh, that was uh, stumbly, wasn't it? <laughs> I think we came across really legit, though. Maybe don't review this episode. <laughs> maybe not, maybe not this one.